Okay. We are a go. We're go. Hi, welcome to MKG. Um, I'm Kat. This is this is Lux for the Luxander channel on YouTube. You may have heard of. Um, do you want to listen? Do you want to? Have you heard of surgeries? Um, you know, I uh, I'm aware vaguely of their existence. Yeah. What do you know about them? Um, uh, I know uh, that knee surgeries, for example, have a higher rate of regret than any transition-related surgery. That's a fun fact that I know right off top. Really? That's really interesting. I didn't expect that. There we go. Yeah, yeah. Knee surgeries often don't go super great. Um, it's like well, kind of a last resort thing. So people do it, and then they end up with bad results, and then they regret it. However, uh, even with uh, some amount of complications post-surgery for transition-related surgeries, most people are still happier that they did it than regretful. Like, every single person I've talked to who has a complication is like, you know what, it sucks, complications, like, sometimes that means, like, I have a catheter for three years, um, uh, but they're still, like, it's worth it, so, you know. Yeah, I think these surgery things so weird. Yeah. I, um, I actually saw, um, after my, um, I can't remember which surgery it was, it was one of my revisions for vaginoplasty, and um, I went to see A Star Is Born with my ex, and we're just sitting there in the theatre, and I'm crying my eyes out, and with Bradley in front of Bradley Cooper and Lady Gaga, with this fucking bag of pee attached to my leg, and oh, no. just it changes the mood so much. Yeah, I can imagine. You can get used to it. It's just a very strange feeling when you're getting there and like I don't know, carrying around. Like I had to wear very baggy trousers for a while. Um, why knee surgery? People are not going to want knees. Like, what happens if you don't get the knee surgery? Um, I think that it's an issue. Um, I, I mean, honestly, I think that this is just speculation. I am guessing that knee surgeries happen more in the U.S. than other places because of our obesity problem. Um, mm. And so I suspect that it's a either a mobility or a pain issue that they're trying to solve. I don't actually know a lot of details. Uh, I was going to pick your brain on it now. Um, yeah, I know. I, I just, I, just I know that one gotcha statistic to throw at people who are like trans people detransition and regret everything i'm like actually statistically nope yeah and it's such a common narrative as well like you see it everywhere like even if you like just even after my years of like searching for trans positive shit even if i put any google search in for like any trans healthcare the first article will be like some regret thing mm -hmm. but if you look at like the statistics few of them yeah, and if you look at like the, the statistics, like trans surgery is like one of the, any trans surgery basically you can pick, is has like the highest like not the highest like satisfaction rates of like any surgery, which is fucking wild because a lot most surgeries to like fix legitimate issues that would that might kill you, and this is just like stuff that like people assume is just like just for aesthetic reasons and stuff, but it's genuinely one of these things that's properly life saving, and like the conservative push to treat as anything else is really fucking weird. Like, the way that Jordan Peterson and Ben Shapiro and shit talk about it, it just weirds me out. Like, I don't know what they're thinking about, what they think is happening. I mean, I probably do. But, like, when GDP they're talking about, like, oh, they... Yeah, and when they're talking about, like, oh, like, the, the, the doctor has done a crime against God by exactly. chopping away someone's... I'm like, what? what? <laughs> Why? How? <laughs> like, there and are Jordan lots Peter's of titties lines, in the world. He's like, not all criminal acts are illegal. Like... <laughs> I, I love I love this arc for him actually like while we're getting into this is that the after um, because I remember there was, there was a point I think pre pandemic where like you would run into Jordan Peterson fans in the wild of the UK 
oh, which dear. is wild because like he's like a Canadian psychology professor who's not respected anymore in the field. You would think that would be kind of like shit, but like I would go to the, like, the pub and some guy would be like, Ugh, uh, do you know Jordan Peterson? I used to listen to him. And it really taught me a lot about how feminism is bollocks. I'm like, oh, what a great conversation. Amazing. Yeah, And, like, he's trying to use that to flirt. And, like, he was like, oh, well, Jordan Peterson proved to me that that the feminism is a lie because the toilet seat doesn't have to be put down. I was like, you are fucking, you've got brainworms. And then, like, there was that Right? And that was that that period that um, he kind of went away and he went in that meat coma because his daughter was on that all-meat diet. And he went into, like, a fucking coma and he said that apple cider gave him, like, terror. Like, he had an apple cider and it gave him thoughts of, like, world-ending terror. And then he went into Serbia and went into a coma or some shit. And now he's come back and he's just full-on, like, brain-dead. Like, actually, like, just doing weird, like, YouTube rants that are three minutes long in his Kermit voice with, like, a black background. It's so funny. It's so dramatic. You know, he got, uh, he's, like, suspended from Twitter pending... Um, the deletion of tweets that are actively misgendering Elliot Page. Um, but yeah, he, you know, I will say the one useful thing about him is it, it does save you some time in the dating arena. You know, if, oh, if a guy that. drops that he's into Jordan B. Peterson, you're like, oh, well, this is a waste of my time. All right, moving on. You got, you got to throw some out there. First dates are hard enough. You got to, you got to, you got to do the tests. Like I was on a, on a first date when I was doing first dates, I'd always like mention socialism at some point and see their reaction. And because mm-hmm. I was dating in Liverpool, it was always very positive. But I just don't want to end up dating a conservative by accident. Like that would not go well. <laughs> for no, not a good situation. Yeah, especially because I didn't used to put that I was trans on my profile at that time, even though it was probably quite obvious. Just because like it just gets you so many more likes. Um, someone will come at me for that probably. But I think if you've got five minutes into this podcast. You, you probably already agree that that's probably a normal thing to do. And uh, we can talk about that again if we do another dating one. But that's not what this is. Um, no. Jordan Peterson should not be talking to us about surgery. Um, and one of the things that I... One of the reasons I'm bringing this up is because I'm actually going to get face surgery soon, hopefully, if all goes well. I shall hear mm. in the next few weeks. Um, I brought this up, like, two episodes ago, and then we got distracted. So we'll <laughs> try not to. I'm going to focus up this time. Yeah, exactly. Um, but like, it's it's one of these things. Like, it seems so normal to me now. But I remember at the start of my transition, it was such a big fucking deal. And I think the first time you ever go under the knife, and I don't think we've talked about this before. It's really nerve wracking, especially if you've never done it before, because you're in this like isolated hospital room. Like, I had my mum with me for a bit, and you know, and there's a part of you I think that's like, what if I don't wake up from this? Mm-hmm. And you know, it's vanishingly rare. But like, you know, like every time the doctor has talked to you, they have to give the statistics because just to make, give you consent. And you know that the, the complication of the shit knows rare. But every time you put on, you're like, well, I am leaving my life in this person's hands. Like you are leaving yourself unconscious in front of someone who you trust to get the job done. And that's really fucking scary, especially yeah. for something like as invasive as a lot of trans surgeries are. Like vaginoplasty, they completely like rearrange like your whole like pelvic region basically i mean the dose yeah. that's what it feels like i like i woke up and there's like like bruises all over the place like the whole thing hurt um like your whole anatomy changes but like one of the things that surprised me about that is actually it just felt so natural afterwards mm-hmm. like I, th- I remember i the night before i am um, i was like doing my last pee standing up because i was told that was supposed to be a ritual <laughs> and uh, and I was like, this is my last piece standing up. And I was like, I, might, I was trying to give it a big deal in my mind, but I didn't really, give, really couldn't bring myself to give a shit. And I never missed it. 
I never missed it. And I really didn't think I would. Like, it's one of those things that's like, it makes your life so much easier, but it just never felt... Afterwards, everything just felt so normal. And I think since then, now when I go with the face surgery, with the stuff I've had in between, um, there's something about it now I now it's been done, now the first one is done, you feel like you can trust it. Like it's like the first time you get like a, a shot, like a shot for a vaccine. Mm-hmm. Um like if you've never had one before, there's a big needle coming towards you and it's terrifying. And then um yeah, and then like once you've realized it's just like over in a split second, now you can just like look away and just let it be over. But I think yeah. biting the bullet is like a big deal on these things. I'm sure that it's yeah, any amount of exposure, like you are apprehensive about something that you're unfamiliar with and then you go through the experience, you come out and you're like, well, you know, that's like, if that's as bad as it gets, then I can handle that going forward. And, and yeah, you just have a less, less of an issue. Yeah, 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 exactly. I mean, like it's, it's a different issue, I think in the U S and the UK as well, because like, I guess in the U S cause you know, you're paying for it and stuff. You have a lot more investment in it. Whereas like in the UK, sort of you're waiting for a waiting list to come down. And it's sort of a different feeling. Like if I knew I was paying like millions for it or however much US surgeries cost, um, I don't know how I'd handle that. It's not quite that bad, I don't think. (laughs) Okay. Well, I don't know. Because like I was listening to some other podcasts that were on about like how much like chemotherapy costs and shit like that. And it was like a ridiculous amount of money. Um, Well, a chemo, you're you're receiving care like over an extended period of time. Um, And so that's like, you know, how long are you in the hospital when you're actually in surgery versus how long are you in the hospital when you're receiving chemotherapy, like hours every day, you know, versus like hours one time. I guess like I'm paying for this facial surgery and like you're paying that bit, the hospital and also the surgeon, the tools and stuff. And you're aware, like a lot goes into this anesthesia and all the other stuff they had to do beforehand. It's literally Um, itemized out. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's kind of weird. Like, I know what it deals with now, and I prepared for it, and they get a little 3D scan of my face, which is nice. Um, nice. I had less I had less of that for the lower surgery because it was free, which I'm very lucky to have. And now I think the waiting lists are probably too long for me to get it now, so I probably got quite lucky with that, with the timing, mm-hmm. um, just before all the big conservative crackdown. Because I think I, I got it while Theresa May was still in, who was the last Tory prime minister we've had who was pro-trans, which is mm-hmm. a weird thing to think now, but there was a time when both major parties in the UK were pro-trans. Um, and now so, none and of them are. Now, Yeah, exactly, and now no one is. Uh, you have one side that's like trying to compete for how transphobic they can be, and like one side that's afraid to say anything on it unless he scares away the newspapers. Hey, so same here. Wow. Hey, there we go. <laughs> it weirds me out as well, because like, then Nancy Pelosi is going on fucking like drag race and shit and trying to pretend she's all like pro-queer rights and shit, and I'm like... Are you though? Are you it's doing painful. anything about this? Yeah, it's really bad. I'm curious about one difference between the NHS versus like surgeries over here. Cause like being everything is private over here, like, I mean, and, and this whole big gigantic country, like, you know, I could go to like, I, there's one surgeon in Florida that I could go to for top surgery. Or if I want like a, a different type of result, I could go to this other surgeon in California all the way on the other side of the country. Um, and like, you all don't have, like, have any choice as far as I can tell about like, which surgeon does your stuff. Do you? If so you're when, when I, yeah, when I was on the, in the gender clinic, I did get asked who I would prefer. I don't know if it was like a thing that you'd definitely get it, but I think it's like sort of who they send the letter to first. Sure. Um, and back then there were like, I think there were two different surgeons because one had just retired. I don't know. I, th- I don't know if there's any more now. They're probably not. 
Um, mm. But there's quite there's not that much choice either. Even when even like the maximum like just before, just before I got it, one of them retired. So like a maximum I remember there's like three or four. And yeah. it's really not all that much. And um, you can like if you want if you're willing to pay, you can like go to like different clinics in like Europe or like. Well, sure, if you go whatever. private, yeah, elsewhere. You like you could come here if you had like uh like I know Doctor Spiegel is a very famous uh, FFS surgeon here. Like if you wanted that. Yeah specific result you could come over here and pay private yeah but otherwise it's public well the reason that i was curious and i don't want to like derail too much off of any potential like broader surgery topics um but i was covering on stream recently a detransitioner from the uk who was describing like horrendous treatment after their vaginoplasty i think his vaginal he's like detransitioned and now i'm a man kind of thing um mm. But, like, this horrendous story about, like, how the nurses were, like, like, just not attentive to his needs after surgery. And he was, like, I had the, a suture that got fucked up, like, that first week that I was home and they didn't ever fix it. So now there's just, like, a weird, like, chunk missing and, like, I have no depth and, like, also they moved my prostate. So now anal sex is unsafe. And I'm, like, this sounds... Jesus. First of all, it's, ne like, if it's true, it's negligent of the doctors and and talking about how like oh they don't tell you once you start taking testosterone again that you'll have uh hair growing in your new vagina and i'm like how about you didn't get sufficient hair removal they should have told you that beforehand like did you just not do say, adequate research yeah they don't let you get surgery if you have too much hair down there there's a literal requirement so i got paid like they they i had to go get to an electrologist or electrologist they wouldn't let me get surgery until i got the hair removed down there so I had to get like genital electrolysis for like weeks and weeks and weeks before that. So I was going back and forth between Nottingham and stuff because that's where I got it. And like getting like this nice old woman to like poke my balls with like an electric needle <laughs> over and yeah. over again. Like I and, like, guess they won't let you go in. some of the follicles could come back later if you're if you start taking tea again. Because if you're on estrogen, then like a lot of your hair kind of goes away or like gets softer or whatever. Like, I don't know. It just seemed like this person was like, it, it could not have been handled more badly. And I was like, did they just not have a choice about their team? Were, the, did, were they not adequately informed about the possible risks? Did they not, were they not taught about how to dilate properly? Cause I'm like, how did you end up with like, I can't even put, like, I also like, I pee everywhere. Like, oh, like I can't even like pee normally. I'm like, okay, this again, sounds like the most horrendous possible outcome. And it, it would be sad if it was just because your government has decided to strip trans healthcare down to the point where, you know, the nurses are all bitchy and <laughs> don't care about you or whatever. <laughs> I mean, I can only speak from my experience, I guess, but like as someone who had a lot of complications, that sounds to me like someone who rushed out of it. Mm. Um, the, the, the hair thing, like, if you rush into it and don't get the amount of hair removal they ask, you're going to have hair in your vagina if they warn you. Um, mm. Especially if you're not circumcised before. If, if you're circumcised before, like, it's more of a risk. And um, I know when I went in, I got, I had, um, and I had a few revisions. I had to get some more taken out, but I didn't even notice it was there. Mm. Um, but, like, it, it, is a, it is an issue when they warn you about it. Um, the sutures thing, they, they wouldn't have torn that in, in the hospital they would notice and also like as someone who had to go back for complications multiple times because i had a, the horrific situation of having like an um oh, what the fuck do you call it a uti like a mm. few weeks into my recovery that just completely fucked everything up so that's so what shit. happened with me yeah exactly so it's, it's just it's just bad luck i mean someone it always happens to someone so what happened 
and I'll describe this in the gory detail because that's what people come to the podcast for. Um, um, so I had like an I uh, UTI a few weeks after, and basically while it was while I while it was all healing, so my um, urethra basically started to close up, which made it very mm. difficult to pee. So I had to go in like for a surgery to like open up the urethra, and that didn't quite take. And then like because I had strained so much to pee, it caused a prolapse, and then uh. I had to repair that. And so, like, I eventually got the urethra repaired, and I had to get the prolapse repaired a couple of times, and it took a long time and a lot of different surgeries. And, um, yeah, complications do happen. And I think if you're the kind of person that's like, oh, it won't happen to me and we'll never go back, or you're the kind of person that doesn't want to, very nervous to talk to the doctor, you could be negligent about it. But, you know, I was on them as soon as something went wrong, and they sorted out pretty much all of my problems as soon as they can. And there was once wait between because it is public, but also because, like, you can't just do a surgery on the day. And yeah. I'm very happy with it now. And like, even when I was having the problems, I was like, I wouldn't trade it for the world. Like, it's still like the experience I would have gone for. Mm-hmm. And like, it was horrible to go through. And like, for a while, I just like, I just couldn't pee normally. And it was just a pain in the ass to be out anywhere because I needed to pee every three seconds. Mm-hmm. Um, there were some really painful periods, but I think in the end, it was worth it. And like, I have heard, like, I have this friend that I met when I was getting one of my current, one of my, um, revisions who did have like a shallow vagina because of a depth thing mm-hmm. but that is another one where it's like they teach you they don't let you leave the clinic until you've shown you can dilate fully mm-hmm. and i hated that shit because it's so fucking painful at first like it's a fresh surgery site everything yeah. is swollen it hurts to fuck when you put it in and they're just watching you trying to get you to do it i'm like can you just go away and i'll do it eventually they're like no we need to watch you and mm-hmm. I'm glad they did, but it was horrible. Uh, they won't let you go until you've peed and all this stuff, so they're trying to make sure everything is covered before you go. And if you're like me, and I'm assuming this other person is because I'm kind of the similar kind of person, is that you want to get out of the hospital as soon as possible because no one wants to stay in the hospital for longer than they need to. Like, I mean, yeah. Like, people are screaming. Like, people are doing, like, weird shit. Like, the food Gross is terrible. Food. You're just yeah. lying in bed. Yeah. Yeah. And, like, the nurses, like, they open the curtains at, like, 6 a.m. And it's like, what? what? Why? They open all that so you can just see everyone. There's no privacy. It's like... I understand. And I every time I was in the hospital, I was, like, begging to leave as soon as possible. Um, mm-hmm. But there's a reason why they try and keep you there for multiple days. And, like, I had, like, four fucking revisions, which is a lot of revisions. And I recognize that I'm, an, uh, I'm, a, I'm a case where, like, I was one of the small percentage that gets, like, bad, a bad experience with that. But I wouldn't describe my experience as bad in its totality because I got what I wanted out of it. Uh, the team around with Dr. Rashid were very, really helpful. Um, everyone was amazing. Um, they did all they could. They were always responsive. Like, if you know team are the right person, so they gave me um, the contact details of, the per- of, like, a person to talk to in any case. So I'd always get an email quite promptly back from them and they were always willing to talk. You just can't talk directly to the surgeon. So in my experience, it was amazing. But like, I also had like a lot of complications. And if the kind of person that really freaks out about that, I can see that being a massive issue. And I know that I did for a very long time. And it was a very stressful few years, especially because I did that during a PhD where mm-hmm. I was being kind of mistreated by my supervisor um, in a weird period of my transition and all this stuff. And, you know, I can come out the other side now and say I'm happy about it. And I still did think that at the time, but, like, I can imagine, like, especially, like, if you had a different, like, mental health trajectory to what I did, you could go down the rabbit hole of being, like, very self, like, oh, why the fuck have I done this when it's going badly, refuse to sort out and turn that into resentment. And I don't want to put that on all dream transitioners, because I know a lot of people do transition for very legitimate reasons. Mm-hmm. But sometimes you do hear these stories, and it's like, this sounds like it might be a you thing. 
and I don't want to put that on them, but there are some of these transition stories, like the kid, like Kira Bell. Yeah. That famous case that she got in. Like, what were you saying for seven years or however long you were going through? Like, I, that's an exaggeration. Exactly. But, but well, no, she was on for years, though. Yeah, yeah, and she got treated as an adult. And at that point, then she's going around trying to get, like, she was tr she went to court to try and get trans health care taken away from kids. But from she everyone, did it as an yeah. adult. As an adult. So it's nothing to do with her, and she's a wedge for the right. And, like, obviously, like, your story, like, we can sympathize and stuff with your story, but, like... It's no reason to take it away from other people. And like detransitioners who use the narrative to sort of attack trans people really weirds me out because you think they'd understand more than anyone why someone wants to transition if they got that far into the process. Well, I um, think it's because they're paid. <laughs> yeah, like, well. Conspiracy. I don't think they're really detrans. I think that they're like, honestly, full opinion here. I think Kira Bell is going to eventually kill herself. Like, mm. because of like, I don't think that you can live as a detransitioned person dishonestly like that like if it were honest that would be one thing i just happen to not think that she's honest yeah i think she's lying too i mean obviously i can't prove it and i'm very sympathetic if she's not but the way that exactly, she's handled yeah. it if yeah. they were to stop doing the bullshit afterwards like straight up if you just detransition and that's your own personal thing and you're like this is what happened to me that's fine once you turn around and you go no one should have access to this care like I don't, I don't have any empathy for you anymore because now you're attacking my civil rights, you know, or like the civil rights of young people who I care about very much. Yeah, it's actually quite interesting because I've so I've been, I binged um, all of like Drag Race during the COVID thing. Mm -hmm. How times have changed because um, <laughs> my partner's super into it, and there's actually a couple of examples there of like queens that are on there that like did transition for a while and then they realized no, I'm non-binary, but I don't want to like medically transition like that. Mm. And it's been quite interesting to see that because it's because they're all very everyone who's done that on the show has been very like pro trans like extremely pro trans, mm -hmm. and like the one especially the ones that are transitioning because they understand the experience. They got friends. They got they got a community around them that's trans now after all that. And I think if you're someone who does detransition, and you're, and you know you're detransitioning because because of, of reasons that are very personal to you, you're not going to be the kind of person that's out being resentful and trying to stop other people from getting surgery. Especially mm -hmm. because there's this, and there's the issue of bodily autonomy comes into it again. You had the choice to do it and you chose to do it. There are so many layers of consent you need to go through to get a surgery. Like, mm -hmm. I had to go to two different therapists on the NHS, which is fucking impossible, basically. Multiple years. Yeah. Multiple years of appointments that are three months apart each. Um, I had to be transitioned, like, fully socially transitioned for years, have all my documentation changed before they even consider doing it, and then get all of my, like, body hair and stuff, like, taken off and all this stuff. And, like, you know, if you get through that and you've still got it, like, nothing would have stopped you. Like, I don't think a single thing in the world could have stopped you from getting that at that point. And that's why yeah, I feel no like... No additional screening or gatekeeping would have stopped you. Exactly. Like, exactly. Like, if you got that far... And people don't, re I think people don't realize, especially in the US, because in the US, like, you have this informed consent model because it is all private. Mm -hmm. In the UK, like, when you've gone through the NHS to get some healthcare, you've had to fucking justify that shit for years, for mm -hmm. actual years. Like, 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 they had, like, and it was much, it's much harder now as well. Like, I was um, trying to get, because I knew they used to do breast augmentations in the NHS, and now they just don't. And mm -hmm. I remember I was going through trying to bug my GP about that for ages before I just gave up. And just got it privately. Um, but, like, there's a lot of hoops you have to jump through. You have to go through funding bodies, and they're all turn you down. And everyone's trying to find a reason not to give you the money. And it's, like, the problem with a public service and the era of, like, public services being so, like, defunded is just this. It's just desolation. And a lot of people do turn to private as, like, 
we have to do to like face surgery or anything else in this country. Yeah, if you want access at all, you have to go private. Yeah, 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 yeah. Same thing um, in I New ask, Zealand. Yeah. Yeah. Could I ask actually, like, like, because I think because you said you mentioned something a few weeks ago about not wanting top surgery like anymore, or something. Was mm-hmm. it something you wanted before, or something you reconsidered? Like, how did you go through the process of thinking that? Um. So I, I'm in a lot of Facebook groups for various FTM surgeries. So I'm, I'm in like multiple different top surgery groups, multiple different bottom surgery groups. And I mean, like, so the reasons that I have felt dysphoria about my chest have been mostly social. And it was in the being in quarantine time that kind of just like, just removing that pressure entirely of being around other people and being alone all the time and being like, no, I actually like my body. Like I enjoy being femme in the ways that I can be femme. Like I mostly took testosterone because I wanted my voice to change. And like, so, um, yeah, I feel like I've just, uh, don't feel any urges on my own to change that. And I don't want to risk sensation and stuff like that too. There are different options that I could go to for, so part of it was like, I was like, okay, so if I do get surgery back when I was like, not sure whether I wanted it, I basically just spent years being unsure before I was finally like, okay, yeah, I'm sure that I don't want it. But for a long time, it was just like open to the possibility. Sometimes I really wanted it, but I was open to the idea that I would change my mind because this is a huge, you know, huge decision to make and expensive. So I would have to like make a concerted effort to get the money to do it anyway. But yeah, I was like researching surgeons. Um, you know, the guy in Florida has the kind of exact predictable results every time, but he doesn't really care about any of your personal as desires for like personalization. So your nipples are going to go in the male placement. Um, whereas if you go to the surgeon in California that I was looking at, uh, he will do like different like nipple placements and sizes that are more non-binary like and uh and also you you could potentially have the option to go for a surgery type that is like kind of a hybrid between um the one with the scars that you think of and another type with like minimal scarring um because the minimal scarring one also preserves your nipple sensation so oh i'm like oh this guy in california does this like hybrid surgery. So then knowing that it was possible to get exactly what I wanted, which is like a flat chest, but not sacrificing my sensation. I was like, Oh, now that I know that I can get that, I don't want it. Um, conversely learning about bottom surgery for a long time. Um, eventually you come to learn. Like, I think that for you all, it tends to be like, you all have like two things that you can get done. You can have an orchiectomy, which is just the removal of the testes and then the actual vaginoplasty. Whereas for a person with like female to male orientation it's like there's two different kinds of surgery that result in a dick and if you want you can get a scrotum and testes or you don't have to and you can you can get the vagina completely gotten rid of or not um so like then learning about that and realizing that like the surgery outcome like like the genital outcome that I have thought about since before I knew I was trans um was possible physically in the world and then having that time alone to think about it and stuff and like even considering how it would potentially impact my long-term relationship and stuff I'm like yes I still want that so it's just it's just that time alone really and that time learning about it um for me at least like the I'm just like I need to be informed 
my anxiety and everything means that I feel like I need to know every single thing about something before I can make a decision or calm the fuck down about it. So that's where I've landed. <laughs> that's cool though. And I feel like that that's quite demonstrative because I feel like it's, it's one of these things where like you have to sort of decide for yourself and like it's very hard to separate yourself from the societal expectations and stuff. Like, especially mm -hmm. as, like, a non-binary person, because, like, am I just trying to do this because it would, like, fit a more binary model or whatever? Yeah. Um, Everyone else's transition who started where I am includes a top surgery. So, you know, you see yourself, like, reflected, but only partway, you know? And, like, yeah, there's a kind of, like, a social pressure almost um, yeah. to be, like, I'm like all the other transes. Not, not like, yeah. a lot, but a bit. Yeah, a little conform there's a, there's a conformist in all of us, and you sort of have to, like, try to root them out. <laughs> and the social pressure, like, listen, the social pressure of like, if I have visible boobage, no matter what, basically, I'm going to be gendered female. And that yeah. used to really bother me. Um, and it bothers me less now. So that's also part of why, like, the pressures are just different, because um, I'm like 13 years into being trans and being out now. And I'm like, I am not bothered by being misgendered in public anymore. So yeah, yeah, take that for what so, it's worth. Also, <laughs> yeah. And my my partner's um, also non-binary, and they um, they only really have social dysphoria. So like it's one of these things they've thought about, like the top surgery and stuff. But mainly just because to stop the gendering, and because like it looks flatter. But they can get that effect with a sports bra, and I think it's just one of these things. Like it seems like a lot of effort and money and time, and like mm -hmm. I, I do wonder like how much would change for like not just them, but like a lot of people if this stuff was like more readily available. Um, but then like, like I guess I don't know. Because what I was thinking about with when you were saying that stuff as well is like when I decided to get like lower surgery, like for a while I was like, I didn't know whether I wanted to get it because like, you know, I thought it'd be fun. I thought it'd be good. Like, I think I, I if I woke up and I had a vagina, I would always have preferred that. Mm -hmm. um, and I think that's sort of the way that you felt the other way around. Right. Um, but like I it was always like I like I knew it was a big process. You would hear these horror stories and stuff like that. And I think I was in some, like, gay bar, and this girl tried to grab my crotch, and I was like, no, 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 no. And that mm -hmm. was the moment I knew, and I don't know how why that was, because, like, so much time, like, I just did, I just associated with what was down there for so long. And I think because, like, I'm, because I'm, I, I'm like, some A-spec somewhere, so, like, sex was never, like, a massive deal for me that way. And mm -hmm. I'm, part of that is my old anatomy, because I didn't care for it, I didn't want to look at it. Um, but I didn't realize that was like a, a dysphoric thing. Like I can see the dysphoria on like other places, but I couldn't really treat it there. But like once I had the vagina, I was like, Jesus Christ, this is all I wanted. Mm. Whereas like with my top, with my top surgery, like I was in during the pandemic, it was like, I just had to look at my chest all the time. And I was like, this is just fucking something's missing. And I just kept feeling it like that dysphoria again. And I hadn't had that intense dysphoria for a while. And it was just me and the mirror. So I didn't mm. have any outside forces confirming my femininity. It was just between me and them. And then like it was... Yeah, like, even now, like, with me getting, like, face surgery and stuff, like, a lot of it maybe is more aesthetic for me now because, like, most of my dysphoria did go away once I got the breast augmentation. Mm -hmm. But I do still want face surgery. And just because I... And I think this will be the last one unless I want to get, like, voice surgery, um, which I would like, but also, like, I don't think people would forgive me if I got voice surgery because <laughs> everyone seems so unnecessary. But, like... And, and I know that I can train it properly because, like, before I had, like... If you listen to the last podcast we did before I went on surgery leave, um, I got like proper like Valley Girl, like the like the British version of Valley Girl voice. Yeah. And then it just completely went away because I was on anesthesia for so long and they stick those tubes down your mouth and it really stops you from Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. It. it kind of fucks your throat up a little bit. 
Um, so are you are you looking currently to get the bottom surgery? Are you wait? Are you going to wait or like what's the plan? Because you said like you wanted it eventually, right? Yeah, this um, might be an invasive question. <laughs> no, you're fine. You're fine. Um, I I have a whole video about it on my channel. Um, I am basically like I'm at this point where I'm like it's gonna happen at some point, but a lot of other shit needs to happen first. Like, I, like. I don't know if you feel the same sort of pressure in the UK right now, but like in the US, I'm like pretty sure that I'm going to die if I stay in this country. Mm. So goal number one is Get uh, move to a safer state, first of all. So yeah. I'm going to probably move to like Seattle or that area somewhere around there. And that's like me being like, that's a step on the way to moving to Canada because Seattle is closer to Canada and it'll be easier to do interviews and stuff if need yeah. be um, over the border there. So kind of I'm just like, I'm going to make my way to Canada. And then at that point, that will be the time where I'll feel like, OK, I'm settled now and I can start thinking about this other thing. So like right now, I just did a GoFundMe to help me pay for my cat's funerary costs and final x-rays because he died recently. Um oh. Very sad. 12 years oh, I had him. Oh, baby. Yeah, but he was good. Um, And he, he went peacefully and all that. Like, we got to choose. He didn't just, like, die in pain or whatever. It's fine. Um, But I ran a GoFundMe for that because otherwise I was going to, like, I'm not going to be able to pay off this debt. And I will need to do a GoFundMe to move, I'm sure. Like, I really doubt that my partner and I can save up enough, like, to live in Washington. Just, like, our rent is going to, like, triple. Oh, um, <laughs> yeah. yeah, so... Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm basically like, because I am disabled and now self-employed in a way that is like donor, donor supported, I feel like I have to meter out people's goodwill. Um, and I would, I would feel like it would be sort of in conflict somehow if I were to have like a moving GoFundMe at the same time as my longer term surgery GoFundMe. Like, I just feel like I should wait to do it. I don't know. Maybe no, that's I, don't, stupid. I, I don't think so. I think I think it's sort of something that we all think about, right? Like I, I had a similar thing when, um, so I had a surgery go for me for a while, and then I also like had to do like one to get my um, academic fees paid because in the last yeah. year of my PhD, I had to pay tuition rather than get paid, so I was getting paid nothing, and I had to pay them five hundred pounds, and so I just put a go for me for that. It got funded in like two days because yeah. a bunch of a bunch of senior academics followed me, and I think it's a similar thing. Like people like with an emergency, especially people like, no, you you need this, and I think. With a surgery one, like, obviously it's going to be more longer term, but people understand you need to be safe. And, um, I mean, I'll share it, if nothing else. <laughs> yeah. Eventually I will stop feeling guilty about it. I mean, like, basically, you know, our our lease here at, uh, where I currently live is going to be up in, like, January, February-ish. And I, I have, like, six months <laughs> to figure out what the fuck is happening. Like, I have six months to figure out where we're going to live in a totally different state halfway across my country, like, 2,000 miles away. Um, yeah. So, yeah, it's just, yeah, it, it's unfortunate, those things, too. Like, I would like to be able to put my mind toward that. But, like, I, I basically, at this point, I'm like, I have a general idea what surgical team I want to go with because, I like, my highest priority is... To have the nerve sensation like for us like like i guess we could do a little bit of compare and contrast i guess of like how nerve regrowth and shit is supposed to work because with you like you did like inversion technique i assume yeah i did yeah it's the only one that's available in the uk i think 
Okay. I, I don't really know a lot about the different techniques. Like, I just know that there are, like, three broadly, or I don't know. Um, yeah, one of them's only available in Thailand. One, the UK only, offer, uh, UK only offers one of them. It's, it's not, it's a big deal if you want to go into it, but... Um, Honestly, it's been so long that I've kind of forgotten all the details. So <laughs> That's fair. It's fair. But basically, like, you have, like, your same skin that used to be an erogenous organ that gets flipped inside out and becomes the, like, inner part of the sensation or whatever, mm. right? Like, vaguely? Yeah, something like that. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know what SoundCloud's... Um, graphic requirements are for <laughs> discussing this shit. I don't think I don't think any sound I don't think SoundCloud can afford to have someone scan this like YouTube does. I think we're no, gonna no, probably yeah. fine. <laughs> um but for for the kind of surgery that I want, like broadly you can have like uh the when I when I mentioned like the two different types, the one type that I'm not interested in getting called metoidioplasty, it's when like the clitoral material grows while you're on testosterone it becomes like a little micro penis except that it's kind of like still stuck to your body by ligaments and you can get those ligaments like released and then your little micro penis will stand up um and if you like you can get uh urethral lengthening etc but uh, then it works like a natural penis does in the sense that it like gets its own erections and whatever and it has the original sensation most likely it has the original sensation that it would have had you untether the penis. Exactly. The other method is a skin graft. And the method that is kind of most popular for people who want that erogenous sensation is that they take the basically the entire penis tube comes from your forearm. Um, and so the, obviously you have hair removal that needs to be done, especially if you're having a urethra built. I don't really care about that personally. But like there's microsurgery that happens where there's basically two main nerve endings running through your arm that one of them gets hooked up for tactile sensation and the other one gets hooked up separately for erogenous sensation. And those microsurgeries are very difficult and require a lot of precision. Um, so since I don't care about like urethral lengthening and other stuff like that, I, I'm just going to go with the team that has the best reputation for microsurgery, you know? Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. I mean, sensation is like, it's one of the most important things, right? I mean, it's like, it's a thing that I don't, I think only trans people think about, which is kind of unfortunate because it's sort of half the point. Um, mm -hmm. Like, I think a lot of people think because it's, because it, for everyone else, it's like so aesthetic, like, oh, you're going to get something that looks like a vagina or a penis or whatever. But like, yeah, when I mean, like the up, turfs are all like, you can't feel it or anything. Like, that's what they always say. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But it's obviously complete bullshit. Like, yeah. I'm obviously very erogenous there. Like, the thing about the prostate moving earlier, I was very confused about that. Like, my orgasms are great. Like, I don't know what I wanted to say. Um, like, even after all my surgery. So one of the things, like, with um, when I had the revisions, I was like, well, it might be, like, sex might be painful. But, you know, I can, just, I can get myself off without any pain. Um, like, it's I don't know why before. it would make anal sex dangerous. That's what they were claiming that, like, they can't have anal sex anymore because of what was done to their prostate. I'm like, how does that make any sense? See, I don't think that's a prostate thing. What I can suspect with that is that like if you had enough problems with like prolapsing around the, like the vaginal wall of the back, there's quite a thin margin. You even, might perforate. Like, yeah. Yeah, between like the um, the rectal tract or whatever it's called and mm -hmm. the vaginal canal, and that's the same in like in like AFAB people too. Like it's quite a small space. Um, mm -hmm. So like if you tear it enough, maybe someone will be like, "Don't have anal sex in case it makes it worse." I don't sure. think that means they moved your prostate unless they moved your prostate because you had complications, in which case they'd be doing it to save your life. 
in which case, yeah. like, why would you mind? Um, but no, I feel I feel great about it. And like, it was one of these things I think a lot of people really worry about. And I remember when I was just getting, thinking about getting it, I was looking up like this surgery timeline on like how when does sensation come back and stuff. And right. I could feel things basically straight away. Like, people were talking like it could be numb for a very long time, but like I could like, maybe this, this is too much detail. Um, parents turn off the volume if you're listening. I could like masturbate within like, within like a week. Like, and that was like, I probably shouldn't have been. But, yeah, like, because of the muscular contraction, it can be kind of dangerous. <laughs> Yeah, but like I was lying around and like there was nothing else to do because I could just just heal. Um, yeah. But it was fine. Um, yeah, so it was all good and it, like it happened faster than I thought it would. Like the main problems with the stuff is like healing around the stuff that's really really changed. I think the sensation stayed largely the same, but I think that's partly because with the inversion method because it is fairly simple. Is that yeah. everything is remaining pretty intact? You're not really chopping and changing much. Um, I know there's a method that's used in Thailand where they basically like. They, they try and give you a thing so, like, you have, like, some rectal tissue or something in there, like, to try and make you, like, more naturally, like, wet or something. And I didn't mm. get that. They don't offer that here. I considered it. But in the end of the day, I just... Part of it, and this is part of the consideration thing for everyone as well, is you want to be somewhere you feel safe healing. So um, I wanted to stay in the UK because my family lives here. And mm. I cleared for, like, my parents. I could stay at their house for, like, a few weeks to recover. And that would just be so much better because, like, they'd be both be there. My brothers could come over if they needed to. I had friends there if they needed. Um, my friend Naomi came over for a bit. And it was just so much easier than if I, like, went to Thailand and had to get someone out to fly out with me. And, like, it'd be very, very difficult. Um, it's, but, and the cost thing is an issue as well. But I've retained that sort of attitude. Like, I'm getting my face surgery in the UK as well for a similar reason. If anything goes wrong, I'm not far away from where I need to be. I speak the language. I have the currency. All that stuff. As much as with someone like me, like you might want to like design your own, like feel like you're having a designer thing and having the best experience, whatever makes you comfortable. But for me, I want to prioritize my safety first. And especially after all my complications, I think I've sort of kept on that. Um, I'm you sure want to be close to the people who can fix things. Exactly. Like, I'm sure the international surgeons are, are really good, like everywhere. And there's a sort of snobbery, I think, in a lot of countries about going somewhere else, like being like, I'm assuming that everyone that's not in a Western country is like a butcher. And I'm mm. sure that's complete bullshit. But for me, because it's where I come from and it's where I live and all this stuff, and then on the NHS, if you get something wrong with you on the NHS, it's easier to get it fixed on that. Whereas if you went somewhere else and then came back, if I had a revision, I would probably need to fly back out rather than get it in a local hospital. And I'm really glad, considering how many revisions I had, that I did to get it done in the UK. As counterintuitive to that might sound to someone who's very resentful of UK surgeons for different reasons. And they're yeah. all people. Like, if you Google, Google any surgeon for long enough, you'll find horror stories, and they'll be going around saying this one's a butcher and stuff like that. And I think it's because, like, you know, you have so many people going in for it. Like, these people are queued up for months and months and months. It's not enough of them. You're going to have a bad experience with it, and you've been waiting years for it. I can see why someone would be very resentful of it. Um, yeah. But, yeah, no. Um, try and find someone who has a good reputation, if you can. <laughs> That's what I'd say. That's what, yeah, it, this requires like a lot of research, you know, and like, you know, in the, on the NHS, you don't have as much option. I'm sure that there's still like, you can speak to other people who've had the procedures done and all that, like that, that is important. You know, like if, if this other detransitioner I mentioned, like if their care was that badly mismanaged by the nursing team, like they said oh. that they had, um, they set a suture tour in their first week home. So they had left the hospital already and had a suture tear. And then like, they were having a hard time getting in touch with someone and they couldn't get back in to get it fixed. So like, I'm like, you should have talked to other, like 
other trans people are going to be like, yo, this fucking bitch in the, at, like, at this hospital, a nurse, whatever, like, she was terrible. Like, you know, in America, yeah. we bitch about people like that. Or, you know, doc, Dr. Salgado in the United States has a lot of malpractice suits against him. That's the only reason why I know his name. It's like, he's a fallow surgeon who I don't want to, like, even know anything about. Because all I know about him is he has a lot of malpractice suits. Mm. Yeah, you want to keep your eye on that. Like, there's a face surgeon that, I think he died recently, but that was a big thing about, like, I was looking him up a while, and I'd, he's done some famous ones, but, like, there's a lot of people going around, like, saying really bad things. Yeah. And I think you're being safe and you have the options to not go with those, just don't go with those. Nurses are different because the nurses aren't, like, they're... <sighs> I, 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 anyone, I get suspicious of people who badmouth nurses. Like, they do so much of the hard work, and they don't get enough credit for it, and really all they're doing is looking after you, and sometimes they get, I get that it can be rude. Like I had one rude surgeon when I was there. Most of them, I had one rude nurse when I was there doing mine. Most of them were incredible. Um, it was the one white one actually that was rude. Which um, <laughs> you can take from that what you will. Um, mm. But like, you know, they work like extremely long shifts and stuff. Like if they don't understand why I need to leave the hospital, I can't really blame them. Obviously at the moment you get angry. But I mean, there's a lot. I'm not, maybe I'm not a very resentful person. Maybe that's what it all comes down to. Um, but I think no, it's different can't... in the UK with nursing as well. Like, I think if you're on a public service that those people like are, are in it for good reasons, you know, like the nursing staff that I interact with at like the like community clinic, you know, that's like partially tax funded. Um, those people are fine. I think in a hospital setting, in a surgical team, um, in the United States, at least, cis white women who are nurses enter that profession for the same reasons that their husbands become cops. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Okay. <laughs> like the, the, the power tripping and the, like, it's like sadistic. Like they just want to have control over people. It's very fucked up. Um, so, uh, just my personal opinion about nursing in the United States. Um, <laughs> I'm uh, sure that there I mean are exceptions to that, but, um, yeah. I was going to say, I don't even know how to, like, I, I can't even picture that. Like, I'm interested mm -hmm. to see, like, what the, what the stats are on that. Um, yeah, nurses are very dismissive, um, especially if you are a marginalized person, you know. It's not a good time. <laughs> yeah, I guess the whole difference is that the private public healthcare system is so, like, is so much like that, to be fair. Um, there's so, there'll be so many differences I just can't imagine. And I mm. guess that'll depend on what country you're in and what you can get. Or, like, even places, like, a lot of places are, like, hybrids, right? Like, I know, like, Japan and, like, to some extent Canada, there's some, like, some things that aren't covered and, like, things like that. Um, but it, just, it is it is one of these things, like, I guess by the point, by the time you're ready to have it, you'll probably have read up on it for, like, days and Years. days and days. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. Like, there's, there's this whole thing, like, detransition is, like, like people who are like trying to use detransition as like a wedge issue talk about like people don't understand like they don't they couldn't get gatekept enough but uh, if you've gone to a surgery you've looked up for years and like if you're at the point now where you're like listening to this and you're wondering whether you want to have one think about how much you've been looking up for it and how long uh, yeah <laughs> do you think you would have spent that much time thinking about it if you didn't want it now to be fair i did spend a long time thinking about top surgery before finally realizing that i didn't but like yeah, just to say, like, there's a motivated reason, you know, that you are thinking about it so much. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And it's just, you got to figure out what it is and why, like, 
if it's bothering you, if it's stressing you out, and I know that for trans people it's another issue because every surgery you get, people argue that it's just aesthetic, mm. that like you don't need it, that you're perfectly fine without it. And as much as you can say like, yes, I know, I'm glad you still love me if I don't have this or whatever. Um, it is it is ultimately up to you and what you want. Um, and if you are, if money is an issue, um, that's really fucking shit because it shouldn't be. You can ask people for help. You don't feel guilty about asking people for help. Like, never feel guilty about asking people for help. Mm-hmm. Um, especially, like, even, like, online stuff, like, just trans surgery stuff goes, like, viral all the time. Um, you probably won't get, like, a whole lot from it, but people will give you a the hit bit here now and then, and I've been amazed by, like, the kindness of strangers when it comes to that stuff. Um, uh, if you can, just try and get to where you're happy with your body. Because I feel like a lot of us feel like we're sort of, to sort of meet some side expectations, we have to sort of stay a certain way or like we're not supposed to get that. Or we, there's, a, there's an element of body positivity in this, which is sort of like you learn to like love your body and like you don't have to love the like whatever you're born with just because, you know, objectively there's nothing wrong with it. If you want to, if you want surgery, you don't have to justify that to yourself or anyone. If you want it, you you go. You can go get it. You don't don't feel pressure. Don't feel like you have to learn to love yourself. If you just can't, um, like objectively, there can be nothing wrong with what you want. But maybe you feel shit about it. Like I didn't want a penis. I there's nothing wrong with penises. Like I'm sure lots of people will like a penis, but I didn't want one, and I'm very glad I got rid of it. <laughs> yeah, I I want to I guess shout out really quick um, because I. Uh watched this video this week uh, it's the first video i've ever watched from jesse gender over on oh, yeah, youtube yeah. she usually does star trek videos and stuff like that um but she I did love a her video channel, so good. yeah so uh, shout out to jesse gender she's amazing um the video that i watched was her ffs video because she just got it um about two months ago or so and um it was it, honestly kind of an emotional difficult watch because part of it was filmed before um, her surgery and that version of her in the script is kind of like sort of aggressively questioning the decision with this um, underlying sense of like, why was I not good enough? And it, it's just like an opportunity to kind of express that you don't have to like, like you can still love your face and know that it doesn't suit you. You know, you can know that it's a good face. It just doesn't represent you like you don't have to hate your body in order to want to change it. You can love your body and still want to change it, you know? Um, and one thing I guess I also wanted to just mention that I thought of while you were talking was that, um, part of what made me realize that I didn't want top surgery was being in situations where I was binding and I knew that my chest was imperceptible and still getting misgendered. Cause like if, if I, if what I wanted was to stop the misgendering, surgery was not going to fix that problem. So I think part of it also is like coming to oneness with yourself and like being able to have an appreciation for your body or your face or whatever. And, uh, and like know that what it is that you're changing is going to be something that is going to actually solve whatever the issue is. Like, like you can't think like, Oh, I'll be happy once I just finish my transition. You cannot hinge your happiness on like when I get this surgery if I just get a Brazilian butt lift, then I'll be happy. Like you cannot dangle 
on a carrot your happiness at the end of your transition. Like you have to work to be happy as you are while you're, especially if you're in like the UK and you have to wait a long ass time or like my situation where like there's no fucking way I'm going to get bottom surgery. Like I'm 28. I'll be lucky if I have a dick by the time I'm 35. Um, so yeah, just also keeping that in mind, like it's not necessarily going to solve all your problems. If, if your problem is like, I can't get hired at a job because I'm visibly trans and then you get FFS, that might solve that problem for you, you know, of <laughs> like, but keeping like understanding what it is that you want out of it and being uh, re like realistic about what you're actually going to get out of it at the end, you know, which like is kind of a good segue because I'm curious about like, what are your hopes and dreams and fears about FFS since that's kind of coming up soon? I, so I genuinely, I can't lie in that saying that like one of the reasons why I'm so gung ho to get it is because I don't feel safe in the UK anymore. Yeah. Um, so I, there's a lot of things that I've got done, which make me pass better. And like, I don't, I, I don't have trouble getting misgendered like in most of the time for a very long time, mm -hmm. but with everything that's happening and with all the changes around the world and like the ramping up of rhetoric over here, I just... I want to be able to say that I've done all I can to pass. And that's not the core reason, but it does go into it. And um, so a lot of me and my anxiety with it is just anxious to get it because because I've thought about it for so long and because I'm not sure I feel safe being visibly trans. And that's and that's that's a side issue, but I think it's important to highlight because I think a lot of people feel guilty for that. It's common, um, though. It's very common. Like, FFS, in, as far as I can tell, is a surgery, like, compared to other trans surgeries, it's one that tends to be gotten for your safety and for other people's comfort more than it is something that someone gets because they just want it for themselves. See, I don't even know if that's true, because I feel like, you know, when I first started, like, transitioning, if I have got could have got facial surgery first, I think I would have. And yeah. I think a lot of people feel the same way. But um, I think it's one of these things, like, a lot of people, like, sort of hope if they do everything else then they won't need it and stuff. Because it's one of these things I think a lot of people warn you away from it. It's because it is more aesthetic. And, like, family will be like, oh, I don't want you to look different. And people will warn you away from it more than anything else. Like, I feel like when you're getting genital surgery, people see it as part of the narrative, especially if you're, like, a binary trans person. And they're like, yeah. oh, you're oh, finally... Yeah, of course you're getting that done. Of course you exactly. are. Exactly. You're getting the Are you getting surgery. the surgery? When are you getting the surgery? Yeah, it's everyone's first fucking thing to think of. Exactly. So then, like, when you're, if you're talking about, like, face surgery stuff, people are like, oh, I don't want you to change. I like your face. And someone's like, well, I don't hate my face necessarily most of the time. I hate parts of it. But, like, it doesn't look like me. And mm -hmm. that's part of being the issue, you know? Like, and I've highlighted this stuff since the fucking beginning. Like, when I talk about to people about, like, how my hairline and how I'm going to get it lowered, like, they say, like, oh, your hairline's not bad. It's like, no, but I noticed when it reduced, I noticed it when it went back to this position when I was waiting for hormones. And it's bothered me ever since. And it's a sign of how I couldn't get to where I needed to be in time. Yeah, and it's like, a reminder that the fucking system made me wait extra time for, for care. Yeah, exactly. And, like, when I see pictures of me, like, pre-puberty and stuff, and, like, look how much more, like, like I can sort of picture where I would have developed differently. And it's just like, well... And also, like, it's it's one of these things, it's just, I've thought about it for a long time, and my one worry with it is because it does cost money, and because I've had mm -hmm. to go into some debt for it, and, like, I'm hoping I'll be able to pay that off, I'll, like, just not get in trouble for it, I guess, but... <laughs> yeah. Part of it is just, like, because I've, because the UK doesn't have this system, because it's, because it's built around a private healthcare system, you're sort of expecting everything to be, like... It's very, it feels very weird and anxious to be paying for a healthcare thing. 
and especially with you know, putting yourself in debt for it and because no one else will really think that that's a thing because you don't really talk about getting mailed debt in this country because you're not supposed to mm. um and also like it's one of these things like i know i don't want i there's a sort of thing where i don't want people to notice in that i don't want people to judge me for getting it done you don't want to like, be like cast as vain or whatever yeah, but also, like, if I've known people for a while, I don't want them to go, like, oh, well, that's a shame. Or, you know, like, there's a very British sort of passive aggression. Yeah. Um, oh, it I looks quite a... nice. Yeah, 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 yeah. I yeah, learned about the like word a... quite recently. I didn't know <laughs> that it was a hedge word for you all, but that's pretty funny. Yeah, you don't want to compliment someone properly. Um, yeah. <laughs> but no, I was at, I was at um, Pride two days ago. Um, Liverpool Pride super late for historical reasons. Um mm. And I was at some club night, and uh, some girl came up to me, and she was like, oh, I love your lips, never change them. And I'm like, uh... <laughs> it's one of these things that does make you pause. But, like, it's not up to them, it's up to me. Um, I'm nervous about it because it's going to take time out of my work. I'm nervous about it because, like, I don't know... Like, I still haven't got it confirmed with the hostel. They do it, like, two weeks before, and I'm going to be on holiday for that, which is mm. quite interesting. Um... But yeah, I don't. I don't know. Like I've watched. I've watched so much prep for it for multiple years at this point. Like I feel like if anyone's been more prepared for a surgery, I don't think anyone could. And I feel like that's a lot of these people. Like a lot of things like this, especially like if it's taking you multiple years to decide if you want it or not. If you've made this decision, it might. Like I feel like, I would have made this years ago, and I feel even more sure about it right now. And one of the things when I turned thirty last year, I was just thinking like you know like I just I wanted all my surgeries done before I was 30. Like, in my head, it'd be a nice, neat, round number. I know that's ridiculous. I know yeah. it makes no sense. But in my head, I was like, everything done before I'm 30, I can finally live my life. Obviously, that's not how it works. Um, but, like, I was kind of ticked off when I didn't get it. And I could still, I still longings were still there. I still wanted it. I still think about it all the time. I was watching the Steph Sanyati videos about it on repeat. Yeah. Um, so it's just like, I clearly wasn't going out of my mind, and it clearly still wanted it. Um, even after all this stuff, even after I got a lot of dysphoria, went away after my breast augmentation. And I'm just like, I just need this for me. I need this for me. And like, I finally have a chance to get it. I'm in a sunny position where I have like a credit rating that allows me to get the right amount of money I need for it. So like, mm. I finally pay the deposit. I finally paid, they paid it off. All I need to do now is pay the hospital. Hopefully my health insurance will do that. If it doesn't, then fuck private health insurance. They're useful for nothing. They're useful for nothing. Um, but it's one of these, it is one of these things that, like, I, there is a sense, I think, as you were talking about before, that, like, oh, and then I'll be done. Like, this will mm -hmm. be it. But that's not how it works. Like, transition's never over. There'll always be moments in your life where, like, it's like coming out never ends. You know, you'll always yeah. have to tell someone you're gay. Like, someone will always find out you're trans. Like, I'll always have to tell someone, like, it's always going to cause problems for me and some medical issue like, down the road. Uh, I'm a six-foot-tall woman. Like, someone's gonna notice, like, even if I, like, perfectly passed, I'd look like a fucking one of the crystal gems. Like, you know, you'd notice, ever, someone's gonna point it out. Like, it's not gonna go away, you don't stop being trans. And I think part of you early on in transition, especially when you really don't pass, sort of urges that moment where it's gone. But it's sort of less that I'm more, like, getting rid of the dysphoria, like, to be comfortable with where you're at now. And I feel like I've been there for a while, and this is just for me. And, mm. like... I don't want to be that kind of person that's like, well, now I can live my life. Because I feel like, and this might get into a different discussion for a different podcast, um, I feel like the big thing stopping me from living my life is capitalism. Hey, um, fucking so, man. <laughs> like, I have to work for a living. Like, I have to work for as I was a day, and I can't do the stuff I enjoy. Like, 
what's stopping me? Like, I'm living, like, I was having this conversation with my partner because, like, we've been talking about maybe maybe leaving and living in Croatia for a bit or forever. We don't know how it's going to go. <laughs> yeah. um, and, like, like, you know, like, they're like, oh, you could live in this place that's basically paradise, like, environmentally. There's a lot of social issues that aren't great. But, like, if you don't have to pay rent and you live in, like, a really sunny place and all this stuff, like, what's stopping you is, like, getting a job and all this stuff. And it's, like, the big thing stopping you from living your life isn't going to be something to do with you. A lot of it's external factors. And, like, if you're working every day and you're like, oh, I will live my life eventually... You can choose to start living your life a little, at least a little bit now, if you have any free time. And if you don't, then, you know, we need to tear the system down. Um. Yeah, I really, I really, really agree with that. Like, I don't think, like, I think that this is what contributes to our weird perception of time that Abigail talked about in one of her videos on Philosophy Tube. But like, queer people have this weird perception of time because all of our milestones are happening later, right? Like if you didn't date in high school because you didn't come out as gay until you were 18, then, you know, you're, you're catching up on a lot of teenage stupidity in your early twenties there. Um, I, I think that like you should really make an effort as much as you can to live your life now, even if that is just like small things like taking particularly flattering photos to send to your long distance partner, like taking like a euphoria affirming photos or whatever, like find ways to feel like you are alive now, because if you're waiting to live your life, then you're basically just like treating yourself like you're dead now. And that's not good yeah. for your long-term health. <laughs> mm, yeah. I felt that way, especially before, like before all my transition, I just went through my teenage years. I remember feeling like I don't feel like a, a living person. I yeah, felt like I'm just, I'm just like, dead inside. Exactly. You feel like a ghost walking through the halls and they like, have to try and change that a few times. And like, don't give yourself excuses not to live. Like, look for it. And this, this is like, I feel like it's one of these things that when you're always looking forward, it's hard to look at the present. And that's like, that's like a very tropey. But if you're You can't live in the future though. Yeah. Well, yeah, exactly. If you think, if you just think about, oh, I'll get this thing eventually. But what could you do now that can make you at least a little bit less unhappy for a minute? Even if that just means like taking yourself out on a date, like something I used to do when I was like super depressive, like fuck it, I'm taking myself for a movie and a pizza, mm -hmm. like fuck it, like like why not? Why not? You're not you told you're not supposed to. Fuck that. Who's telling you not allowed to do that? Like if you think it will make you happy, why the fuck not? And you can um, have cereal for dinner. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, why the fuck? I mean, cereal for dinner is a gorgeous thing if you can get away with it. Um, <laughs> I just like it's one of these things that I feel like I had to learn a lot, especially like during like the most depressive phases. Like you have to take the moments for your happiness. Because if you're always thinking about what needs to be done next, and this is this is me, especially with the trans stuff and the PhD stuff and the surgery things, was all on top. Always think about what's next. Always think about what I had to do. You need to make time for yourself to like let your mind breathe, or you're gonna give yourself a complete mental breakdown. Yeah, I'm pretty sure that I'm gonna like really need to buckle down on some kind of stress reduction because I am living in the future right now. Like I am not taking adequate time to like attend to my hobbies and the things that I enjoy doing because I'm like, I don't actually know if I might not, might need to get my shit together all of a sudden. So like I'm literally packing some of my stuff away in boxes now, even though I'm not moving until six or seven months from now. Um, and I can tell that like I'm every time I run my fingers through my hair, it's like coming out by the handful. I don't think I'm as stressed as I am. And like it is it's like caustic and I get it like we're all stressed. If you live in America and you're stressed about living in America, we have good reason to be. If you're in the UK and you're stressed about the five plus year waiting lists, it is 
correct of you to be stressed about that. We just also have to find a kind of balance <laughs> so yeah. that we don't like shorten our lifespans by being this stressed all the time. Like it's physically bad for you. Yeah, hundred percent. And I think it's I think it's easy, especially when you're in like a hole of like an I you know, I have depression obviously because I'm trans and I did a PhD. Like what you don't come through that without get, without having some scars. Um, but like, <laughs> and you live on uh, Turf Island, so you know it's, it's like true. rainy there. <laughs> it's never sunny. It's like it's literally the first day of August now, and it's just gray. All grey mm -hmm. as far as the eyes can see. Um, but, like, yeah, it's very tempting, I think, to wallow in your sadness. And, like, part of that can be... It can be cathartic sometimes. But if you're doing that actively and denying yourself a chance to, like, do something that might perk you up a little bit, even if it's just a tiny little stupid fucking treat, like, who the fuck cares? Like, if you're living in capitalism and you think buying a treat will make you a little bit happier, it probably will because it's the only thing we could fucking do at this point. Like... Yeah. <laughs> take the little treats where you can um but yeah um, within reason you know don't be like me and spend like i'm like oh it's not too big of a deal if i go get a burger today except i do that like eight times in a month and that's like <laughs> 15 bucks each time you know like it does add We've up so like <laughs> pay a fucking attention to your budget but you know still yeah give yourself give yourself the relief of those small moments yeah exactly exactly and we're, we're not a financial advice project podcast no so. No, <laughs> I've not listened to them. I don't want that lecture. I don't, I don't need that extra guilt on my life. So I will never yeah. listen to those financial advice products. Um, I think we should probably wrap up. Yeah, fair enough. Fair enough. Um, unless we have anything more to talk about surgery wise. Um, uh, I mean, I was kind of curious uh, if you are at all more weirded out about this upcoming surgery, because it, it just seems to me like something happening to your face is like a little bit more like like it's harder to ignore or dissociate from i guess so i'm like i can't imagine having my face peeled off and like my bones reshaped and then like your eyes are just like fucking fucked up and bruised for like a week or whatever like it seems intense mm -hmm. i think that's just another thing that i was talking about at the beginning like the pre and post surgery feeling like i feel like i thought about that a lot before going into lower surgery mm -hmm. about like the reality of what's going to happen and how scary that whole thought process is but once I've been through it a couple of times, I'm like, well, I know realistically I'm going to go into like a into like a room. I'm going to be put to sleep. And when I wake up, things will be different and it'll hurt for like a couple of weeks. Like mm. I'm like it's, it's like if you think about the details of anything biologically, it's really fucking sucky. Of like if you try to think of any, any details like, oh, how I eat. That sounds fucking terrifying. You know what I mean? Like kissing oh is my the God. worst. Right. Like if you like <laughs> think about that, if you, if you have like a cookie, right, you put it in your mouth. You basically shove it down this tube, and then the tube takes it down to another tube, and then dissolves it in literal fucking acid, and then shoves it into like two different places, and some of it gives your body energy, and some of it comes out as this like weird smelly stuff, and it's like that's fucking disgusting. But like we don't think about things like that because it's just normal. The whole concept um, of oral sex is just like why, like why are we interested in this? Why is this good? <laughs> you, you put your mouth hole near and around the fuck hole and this is like something that people are really into i guess <laughs> you know what's because normally you know cats lick their own bums to stay clean and you know like self-rim jobs are very very hard to do in humans but I i'm bet, sure you know? some people would love to do it you know whatever <laughs> um i mean part of, yeah i mean there's a little bit of that i i'm 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 not scared about it because i've been looking forward to it for so long mm -hmm. um i've seen the pictures and they don't put me off like then, then you never have like I had a bit of a squick about the lower surgery ones, but this one, no. I mean, I'm sure I'll hurt like fuck when it gets done. 
-hmm. And I'm sure in the first couple of days, I'll be like, oh, why the fuck did I get this? Like, you do any time you're in like, a lot of pain. But at the same time, like, I'll be thinking about it, I'll be preparing it for, for a long time. And I still dissociate when I look at my face in the mirror. So mm -hmm. it, it, won't, it won't feel like, I imagine if you're comfortable with your face, then it does feel like, oh, why would I want that change? Like, imagine peeling it off, but like, you know, I've, I don't feel like I have much of attachment to like certain areas of it, especially the parts that's going to be peeled off. So sure. <laughs> I mean, like they peel your face down and then they put it back. So like, I just, I'm just thinking of like the degree of intensity and like, I, okay. So this, I, so I, I saw this tweet one time that was like, so for those of you who can self fillet, uh, when you're when you're blowing yourself, does it feel more like you're receiving a blowjob or does it feel more like you are giving a blowjob? And overwhelmingly, <laughs> the response was it feels more like giving a blowjob because your face is involved. Right. Like because. Yeah. So I just I just have this, I guess, perception that like facial surgery would be different from lower surgery in that way. Yeah, <sighs> I mean, we'll find out. We'll, yeah, we'll find, find out, out and I'll have to report back. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I guess we'll find out. I mean, like, I'm It'll not actually fine. getting that much in. I'm not getting it. Mine's not going to be as intensive as some people's. Um, I'm lucky enough that I have a fairly like androgynous face and I always have. Mm. Um, so I don't, I'm not getting any chin stuff done or nose stuff done or anything. Like I have like a button nose and like a fairly normal shaped jawline. Like it's a little bit square, but not in a way that's too masculine. Mm -hmm. um, so like, I don't, I'm not going to get the kind of one where there will be like, I can't fucking move for ages. Like it's sure. not going to be pleasant and it will hurt, but like, it could be more painful. But I think at this point I've had so, I've been, this is another thing just about getting the revisions. I've been under so much that it doesn't feel like unusual anymore. Like, oh, I yeah, go into surgery you did for like anything. five surgeries for your vaginoplasty. So yeah, it yeah, becomes passe so it feels at like, a certain point. It feel, exactly. It feels like fucking nothing. Like it feels like just going for a walk. Like, it's, oh, just something I need to get done, which sounds weird with the first time. The first time I was absolutely terrified. I was crying in the hospital. And after that, the third one just put me under, get it over with. I want to be out of here. You know what I mean? Like it does. It's weird how quickly we habituate to this stuff, but you know, we always do. Yeah. <laughs> and I guess just out of curiosity, if you're willing to discuss, like, so you're having your hairline adjusted, your lips filled, like, are you having your brow redone or? So I'm getting, um, so I'm getting my hat, my, I'm getting like a brow lift slash hairline lowering. Mm -hmm. um, they're gonna shave a little bit of the underbrow because I have like an overhang on my brow bone. It's not like out like like most like most facial surgery they they're like shaving it from like the outside in, but mm -hmm. like my eye socket has a lot of brow bone in it, and that was part of my my thing. So I'm getting some of that shaved down, brow lift, hairline lowering, and a little bit of a lift lift. So all in all, like it's just the top part of my face is gonna be hurting more than anything else. Um, yeah, I won't you're not getting your Adam's strap. apple shaved or anything. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So mm -hmm. it should be less intensive than a lot of them. And I'd be thought about it a while, and it's sort of the longer I went on, the less things I wanted done on it. So, like, at this point, when I now it's like, okay, I can live with this, this will be fine. And you get the 3D, you get, we got a little 3D model back from it, it looked nice. So, I'm like, yeah, this this is going to be it. So, did they really, uh, they're I'll, like, this is the before and after in a 3D model? They did that with one that I didn't end up going to, but I still saved it on my phone because it was That's quite cool, funny. They did like it. Yeah, yeah, it's quite cool. Um, they did that for breasts as well. So you have a little, like, before I was waiting for my breast surgery, I would, like, every day, because I was so dysphoric about it, I just looked at the picture of my 3D tits, and I just spin yeah. them around. <laughs> and and just like, the this, while you're looking in the mirror, you just hold the phone screen over that part of your reflection. Yeah, and it was really therapeutic. Like, I just look at it, like, these are going to be my boobs. And, like, I needed that for so long, because I just hated my chest so much. Yeah. And, like, with with this, like, I'm less, like, because I'm... I'm 
I guess because like I don't, I, you know, I'm, I'm not looking down at my dress. Like if unless I'm looking in a mirror, I'm not looking at my face. It's not really that big of a deal. I don't spend that long staring at my face. Although now I'm doing YouTube, I do. I was about to say, yeah, that it is a different kind of thing because uh, Jesse Gender uh, said simil something similar in her video. The like pre version of her was like, you don't even look at your face. Obviously, this is for other people. And it's like, well, but yeah, as a creator, like you do have to look at your face a bunch and, and while you're editing and all. Yeah, my last two videos I did do like with the camera on me and it's a very different experience, definitely. And it does mm -hmm. make you think about how you look a lot more than you'd like. In a way, it sort of made me get used to it more. And in a way, I'm sort of like, yeah, I'm glad I'm getting face surgery. <laughs> yeah, it's a it's a similar kind of thing where it can be an exposure therapy like process or it just grates on you and shows you what you don't like repeatedly. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um, but no, so it's, it should be like fairly simple. I'll update you guys on this when it's done. I'll probably do a little video update as well, because fuck it, why not? I'm trying to do a YouTube thing now. Um, It'll be unique. Get we will be podcasting while you're recovering, which we, we didn't really we like stopped doing the podcast before when you were doing all your revisions and everything. Well, yeah, exactly. I mean, like, hopefully this won't be as bad. So if I can't talk, I can't talk and we can't do it. But well, yeah. either way, there's going to be a little break after this one because I'm going to Croatia for three weeks. And I think after there, if all goes wrong, the face should, should be soon after that. So we probably won't get another podcast for a month after this one. So but, sad. Uh, yeah, I know, but it will be back, and we're not going to do what we did last time, and just, like, um, I end up doing a PhD and having a mental health crisis, all this stuff, and it takes years. Um, I actually have an intent to make this me to make media thing a thing again, whereas before, like, you know, there's a lot of crises you go through in academia, and, um, you know, making a choice to actively pursue, like, a more, like, new media career is something that I'm basically doing now, so... I say as I have, like, literally two patrons, but still. Um, it'll be something that'll be good. Yeah, exactly. Uh, speaking of... Um, if you want to support this podcast and everything that we do, um, you can donate to me at patreon.com slash Bridget Empire, B-R-I-G-I-T-T-E-E-M-P-I-R-E, -E -E, um, or patreon.com slash Luxander, um, mm. L-U-X-A-N-D-E-R. Um, thank you to the patrons that have signed up, uh, Naomi Wayne, Jerry Cobalt, welcome. First two patrons, big clap, big clap for, Ooh. I can clap you on camera, yeah, thank you. Uh, if anyone else wants to join them now, it's not just you. So it might feel b better to join if you're not the first one to do it. Um, so feel free. Um, if you're not, and times are hard, so don't bother this a lot. This podcast will always be free. Um, but yeah, it helps out. And uh, you can check out our like YouTube stuff, uh, Luxander Twitch channel. Not yeah, Twitch yeah. channel. I, I'm not, not on Twitch, Twitch nope. <laughs> nope, streaming, streaming. <laughs> Just on YouTube, the the yeah. Luxander is Luxander is the name of the channel. If you want to catch me, I stream on Sundays and Tuesdays and Thursdays. And actually, this is I I enjoy having this like cross cultural thing going on here, where it's like six hours later there because on Sundays I actually I'm I'm unique in American streamers. Okay, most American streamers don't care about you UK people, you European people. But if you want to hang out in a stream where you would normally get like, you know, your your leftist streamer bullshit. Um, on, on Sundays, I start at 12 central time, which is like 6 p.m. in the UK. So you can get your Sunday evening leftist streamer American news that way. There we go. And it's the service you needed and the service you didn't know you were going to get. And you got it. So True. Someone literally said this week that I am their number one source of American news right now. And I was like, oh, my God. 
That's quite scary. That's a lot of responsibility. <laughs> responsibility. Exactly. I'm like, oh no, I have to like be way. I have to like be on my p's and q's and like actually report the news correctly. I already tried. I tried my best, but you know, it's still. I was like, wow, surprising. I mean, it happens. Like fucking Hassan Abi was on fucking um, BBC News the other like a couple of weeks ago. That That's was surprising. Weird. I did yeah. not know that. Like, he's like, I know he's, like, big, but he's a, still a Twitch streamer. They're like, oh, what do the Americans think about this? It's like, why are you asking Hassan? Like, <laughs> <laughs> he represents all American leftists. I mean, apparently. I mean, fair. If, 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 you, had to pick, if you had to pick one, I guess he's the biggest one. I actually uh, think that he's a giant himbo. Um, he is but himbo. I don't watch his content. So, uh, you know, he might have, like, <laughs> no. pretty dog shit takes and I wouldn't know. <laughs> I He's one of the very few streamers I, like watch but i watch after the fact like i never i i because of my weird schedule and my adhd brain i never see streams when they're happening um well again it's hard to catch you know if if someone starts streaming at 2 a.m your time it's kind of hard to watch it if you have a job well exactly exactly and that's why you should all watch the streams on luxander the youtube channel not the twitch channel because that doesn't exist no and i have a vod (laughs) channel if you miss it later (laughs) Exactly. You can catch up. You can do all your video needs. Um, mm. I just had a video about Kendrick Lamar. I just wanted to make it for myself. It doesn't matter. It's completely... Like, I didn't have a theme for this channel when I made it. I did a dinosaur one before. Fuck it. Uh, the next one will actually be about some politics things. You might be interested. Um, that'll come Ooh. out like next Friday. Um, but yeah, I'm trying to do the, like, this YouTube thing, thing now. Um, so please watch it if you haven't. And it might be rough for a while. I think it's all right. Um, considering I've just started, I'll be better in a few years. So if you keep subscribing, you can say you were there at the start. So uh, there we go. But you'll have content <laughs> from both of us to last you through the next few weeks when there's no more MKG podcast. Exactly. And you're going to need it because it's going to be, um, and I'm going to be having a great time in Croatia, but you guys will be like obviously starved from uh, the lack of us. So condolences mm. for you. Um, the streaming will still happen. So there we go. There you go. Come hang here. out. Exactly. All right. <laughs> See you guys. Have fun. Bye. Put the night on your side.